0: I'm so. I really need to get a voiceover. Okay, when the music's doing the intro, I really need to just have a voiceover where someone's like, "This is disturbing the peace," or or something like, "You're listening to Disturbing the Peace podcast." You know, something like that. If you guys know somebody that has a very deep voice and is willing to work for like a cup of coffee or like a Reese's bar or something, by all means, USA.com. I just need an audio file of somebody like, "You're listening to," you know, like you know, just something to put over all that. Anyways, anyways uh it is Friday. Uh, I'm usually a couple days late than what I usually would like to record, but due to a recognized holiday where I work um if you don't know that today's a holiday, it's indigenous people's day that's right indigenous people's day speaking of that so so you know we we talk about on the right we talk about there's these two opposing narratives and it's the same thing that's happening, but the left will say, oh my gosh, these people are racist, they're terrible, they don't want to learn about history, all that stuff. And I'm talking about like um, critical race theory, right? Critical race theory. So people will come out and they'll say, oh, well, this happened and this happened, and this happened, and they're, you know, they'll, they'll put critical race theory inside a math lesson, they'll put critical race theory inside a, a, a history lesson or a social studies lesson or an English lesson or something like that. And when people come out and say, hey, stop teaching that crap. They're like, oh, you're just a racist. You, don't, you just want to forget what happened in this country. Well, then the other narrative is, hey, we don't want you to teach it because it's not true. Or it mischaracterizes. Or it's just, it's, it's, you're changing history. You're falsifying information. I made this argument with Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus was not a fantastic person by any stretch of the imaginations. But many of the crimes that he was attributed to, he didn't actually do. He had men that were doing these things. And there's records and journals and all the stuff of him trying to stop them. And he was even put on trial by the Spanish government for these things. And acquitted. In fact, the people who accused him of doing these things were the ones who ended up... It came out in the trial that they were the ones who were actually guilty of it. And they were the ones who were punished and, I believe, executed or imprisoned for um, atrocities against natives. Okay, so the, the idea of Columbus Day. Alright, and why we had such a holiday in the first place... Um, is is still interesting to me, right? Like it, it it's, but here's here's why. Because Europe was suffering a lot of issues, and part of it was resources, and they were actually probably looking at a population explosion and probably another plague, right? Like I, I this was my theory, by the way. This is not me quoting some history book or something. It's just it's my understanding of history and me just kind of drawing my own conclusions from it. The reason why we saw columbus as such a great figure was because he actually saved the continent in a way when he charted a course to the west and found new land and new resources and yes there were people here um and yes there were things that happened that were awful and some stuff columbus was responsible for and mo- much of it it wasn't right they they tried to say that they um you know brought over a, a a smallpox epidemic. Well, they didn't even know what bacteria was back then. Right. Like they didn't even know this was something that they would carry with them. So you can't say that, right? That that implies intent that they didn't have, or there's no reason to believe they had it. Right. So there's stuff like that. And so but what he did is he basically saved the continent of people when he brought new resources and and opened up new lands and traded. The first people that came to the United States as we know them today were people who were escaping religious persecution. They just wanted freedom. And they didn't hate the natives that they came and settled amongst. They traded with them. They learned from them. The whole point of Thanksgiving was to commemorate a dinner where the Native Americans saved this group of people and helped them establish and taught them how to live in this land. Okay? Like and I only bring this up because there's a popular movie that's coming up right now called the 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 Woman King. And it again is a film about Fighting the patriarchy, fighting colonialism, fighting, you know, these evil Europeans that were coming into Africa and stuff like that. And it's essentially rewriting history. Because colonialism, again, not perfect. There was plenty of things that went wrong and was inappropriate. However, there was a lot of infighting and slave trading and murdering going on amongst tribes and groups of people at the time. And colonialism put a stop to all of that. Right? The British Empire put a stop to the slave trade long before the United States did. Okay, there was, there was a lot of good that came from these things. So when you want to fight that kind of stuff, you have to take the good with the bad and understand that there was a lot of good that came with it. So anyways, I don't know why I got in this weird random tangent. This is not what I was planning to talk and to open up with. I was going to open up with a big fat I told you so. A huge I told you so especially uh, the certain individuals out there who like to make complaints about me and, and like to hate on my podcast and stuff. It, it's just a whole nother, I told you so. And of course I'm talking about January 6th. Why? Because the left loves to hammer it and talk about it over and over and over again about this protest and this riot that occurred at the Capitol and how it got out of hand. But yet they want to completely forget about the 180 days of rioting that nationwide, including a full on assault and seizure at the White House, where Antifa and BLM rioters burned down a guardhouse, injured 50 secret service agents. Um, the president himself, Donald Trump at the time, had to be rushed into a bunker. They called him bunker bitch, okay? They did all these terrible things, and yet January 6th is the day they want to talk about. I mean, it's classic narcissism, right? They cause all these problems, do all these things, and then the one person does something or they just respond to something that just didn't look right. And yeah, sure, it was inappropriate. It was wrong. Okay, I've condemned January 6th, that, that whole action, many times, just like every other conservative commentator and conservative politician ever did, unlike the left. Um, But they want to take it and run with it, and they just want to ignore it, right? It's it's kind of what Jesus talked about, right? You, you guys keep pointing out the splinter in my eye when you have a beam sticking out of your freaking head, right? I mean, come on. Can we just be done with that? Can we say, yeah, yep, it was messed up, and the people who committed crimes should be held accountable? But here's a story I wanted to bring up to you, because this is, again, one of those things that's just not being talked about. Um, Out of everyone that, um, out of all the news organizations, actually had to go to Breitbart, which Breitbart's not my favorite to go to, but um, they do have a very good story on this with sources. Uh, Here's the title. Whistleblower alleges FBI schemed... To distort January 6 cases into nationwide domestic violent extremist epidemic, the whistleblower alleged the FBI did not follow standard investigative practices for the January 6 cases when it moved the cases to various local field offices around the country based on where the case subjects were from. Jordan revealed, I guess Jordan's real uh, the uh, uh, oh representative Jim Jordan is the one who brought this up, Republican from Ohio. Um, Jordan revealed in his letter addressed to the FBI Director Ray uh, Ray Rye on Monday, January 6th cases should all be officially led by the Washington field office and categorized as cases according to to the letter, but instead a task force dispatched instructions to open January 6th investigations to local field offices nationwide. Those local offices received the cases, making it look as if they were conducting the investigations on the cases, when, in reality, the Washington field office continued to conduct the bulk of the work, according to the letter. Okay, Jordan noted in this letter, "...such an artificial case categorization scheme fo- allows the FBI leadership to misleadingly point to significant increases in domestic violent extremism threats nationwide, which supports a narrative being perpetuated by the Biden administration." Okay, so there's a couple things going on. If you could take a riot, okay, if you could take a group like Antifa and say, okay, you guys are terrorists, okay, when you designate a group terrorist and you investigate an action as if it's a terrorist action, it frees up, right? It cuts a lot of yellow tape, it changes your investigative practices, and it frees up funding, okay? There's all sorts of funding for for investigating this stuff. If you go to any of your local police departments, especially the large ones, they all have someone who they call their local terrorist terrorist liaison okay this is an officer a lieutenant a sergeant a captain somebody who's gone to a special training about how to recognize terrorist activities in their area okay what the fbi apparently did instead of taking this one incident in washington have it fall under the jurisdiction of the washington field office and have them investigate out of that office they spread it out nationwide so when they do their stats and talk about which officers are investigating domestic terrorist acts and who the source of those domestic terrorist acts are, which are, of course would be right-wing or, 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 or white right-wing individuals, they make it look like it's spread nationwide. This is there to manipulate the data and, of course, perpetuate an ongoing um, narrative that we have this huge domestic terrorist um, problem in the United States and it's perpetuated by right-leaning Republicans. Okay, now let me tell you something. Again, you are all practical, reasonable people. Okay, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you are a practical, reasonable individual who could just look back in your own memory. Look back. Look back past January 6th, right? Let's, let's, let's take a little, um, let's make an exercise out of this. Okay. Let's close your eyes unless you're driving. Um, close your eyes and let's look back. Let's look back till, let's say you're about around my age, right? let's say you're pushing 40. Um, let's go back to the 90s. How many Republican organized events got out of hand and became riots? How about the early 2000s? Recent history before January 6th? How about the 80s? 70s? 60s? Come on, history buffs, help me out here. I can't think of it ever happening. Ever. And I could be wrong, DTP at USA.com, right? If you you could think of a specific event, okay, where it was a Republican political event, okay, I'm not talking about uh, Nazis or or KKK or like five people show up from some radical you know organization and stuff and you're like, well, those are Republicans. No, they're not. Shut up. Okay. I'm talking about a Republican organized political event, uh, a, a protest or anything like that that got out of hand. It just, it's never happened. January 6th is the gift that keeps on giving because it's the first time that my event that that I could recall in recent history that anything like that has ever happened. It will probably be the last time in my lifetime. But it's the gift that keeps on giving. And now we're seeing that the FBI, the FBI who's already in question – the FBI who refused to file charges on Hillary Clinton for obvious crimes. The FBI who refuses to go after Hunter Biden for obvious crimes and obvious corruption. The FBI who f- refused to look at the Biden family in general, even before he was elected as president, that he should have been looked at and stuff. When he was vice president, he should have been looked at. They refused. They just turn a blind eye to him. Yet they're serving a warrant on Mar-a-Lago. And for what? We still can't figure out why they went after President Trump for that, except that they were fishing for something else. Oh, documents weren't being kept properly? So what? They're his documents. He has presidential privilege. And on top of that, from what I understand, they were in a locked closet. A safe room. Okay, they busted into a safe, and it's, oh, whatever. I don't even want to go now. That that bush has been beaten so many times. I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. But you guys know what I mean, though. The FBI is already caught in the question. And then you have stuff like this coming out? Yeah, they're spreading cases throughout the nation. Um to make it look like a a nationwide um, domestic terrorist issue. So if they identified a protester from New Hampshire, they're going to give a case to, um, to the FBI office in New Hampshire. And even though they're still working it from Washington, DC, they're just going to pass a case along them just to obscure the data and make it look like they're, they're doing all this stuff. That's essentially what they're doing. Okay. According to this whistleblower. Like seriously, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've, I've always been against, like, defunding police and, like, going after stuff like that. But uh, there's a few organizations that I'm, I'm totally for. Let's just get rid of them. They don't do any good. The Department of Education is one of them. They haven't done anything since their inception. Nothing good. Nobody can even tell me one landmark thing that they've done that they do well. Okay? Get rid of the Department of Get rid of the IRS. The tax code is so elaborate and so over the top and ridiculous. Okay, I shouldn't have to hire somebody every year to help me file my taxes because I just can't figure it out myself. Okay, I have too much write-offs, too much stuff going on. I just can't figure it out. And I don't want to take the time to do it and stuff like that. It's just easier for me to hand somebody money and say, please do this for me. Okay, I mean, why is it like that? Why can't it just be a flat percentage? It doesn't matter if you're a millionaire or it doesn't matter if you're a teenager. It doesn't matter. If it was up to me, boom. We would fix the tax code and make it so simple you could eradicate the IRS. No need for them. And now I'm at that point where I want to throw in the, the FBI too. Why do we need federal police? I mean, I know why we need them, but if this is how they're gonna act, if they're not gonna equally dispense the law between everyone depending on their political, not depending on their political beliefs. I mean, it's clear there's definitely need some reform over there. It's clear that there's definitely a swamp that needs to be drained from the FBI. And I'm not trying to hammer like the, the individual agents on the on the field level or the line staff level. Okay, I know there's good people in the FBI. We, we have a whistleblower who came out. And Apparently, this whistleblower has enough credibility that Representative Jim Jordan is writing a letter to the FBI about it, and um, Breitbart's picking it up. Okay, and I know another other news sources have as well. Okay, so I know there's good people in the FBI who are pointing stuff out and saying, hey, that's uh, inappropriate, incorrect, all this other stuff. But again, it kind of comes back to those stories you're not hearing. How many people didn't know that until I said something about it? It's just, it's, it's, it's so weird to see how much corruption we have and nobody seems to have the courage to do anything about it. And even when we had Republicans in the House and in Congress, or when Republicans controlled Congress and Republicans controlled the White House, I mean, the whole message was drain the swamp and it didn't get drained. It did not get drained. I have no confidence right now That even if there is a huge red wave in November, which I think there will be, that things are just going to suddenly start getting better. Hey folks, if you're like me, I get really sick and tired of spending five, seven, eight, twelve bucks every day at Starbucks or Dutch Brothers or one of these other coffee places and then you turn around and hear about places like starbucks and how they treat law enforcement how cops are getting kicked out well i got a new company for you right if if you're at that point where you just want to make good quality coffee from home i want you guys to check out my new friends 1097 coffee this is a law enforcement and veteran owned local first responder themed business now i want to pull this little expert from their website 1097coffee.com all spelled out no no numbers 1097 coffee was created In support of our first responders. This includes our military, police, fire, dispatchers, emergency medical service, and our motto is support to all. If you're looking for a company that supports causes you believe in, check out 1097coffee.com and order from their either medium dark or dark roast selections. That's 1097coffee.com, and you can also find them on Facebook or Instagram. This is. Into peace podcast with your favorite deputy. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, something like that. I need a voiceover like that. Something cool. Anyways, all right, and we're back. (coughs) All right, another story. Uh, Interesting, interesting. So, um, well, I don't know how to start the story, so I guess I'm just going to tell the story. In the summer of 2015, 32-year-old Edward Goodwin was killed by two former friends, Ricky Hurt and Eldred Smith, due to an alleged drug deal gone wrong. The killers tied cinder blocks to his body and threw him into an unnamed pond in Butler County. Hurt and Smith are both serving time for the murder. During an investigation in November 2017, the, the Butler County Sheriff's Department drained a section of the pond, and the officers found partial remains. That they identified as Goodwin's, by recovering femurs and pelvis, police were able to charge her and Smith for the crime. Edward Goodwin's mother, Connie, 57, said the Sheriff's Department claimed they would recover the rest of Edward's, Edwards remains at a later date, but after years of waiting, she decided to take matters into her own hands. Connie said the Department repeatedly gave her excuses as to why, they couldn't, why it couldn't finish the job. Either new cases or bad weather kept officers and technicians too busy. Last fall, it finally made an attempt but failed. The department returned to the Missouri pond with the the intention of draining the water until they could uncover Edward's remains. But it couldn't remove enough of the water, so Connie was left waiting once again. Over the weekend of September 17, Connie and Edward's son, Gage, realized that to get closure, they would have to resume the recovery themselves. So they rented a sub-pump and began draining the pond. It only took two hours for Connie and Gage to accomplish what the sheriff's office had failed to do over the course of seven years, and when they saw what looked to be bones laying in the mud, they called the local coroner. Gage, now 22, ran into the, ran into the mud before the coroner arrived. The next thing you know, my grandson, he's tall and slender built, took off, took off in a running stance through the mud. Connie told the New York Post it was up to his knees. When the Butler County coroner Jim Akers arrived, he engaged work worked to carefully to remove the remains from the swampy pond floor and put them in a kayak to carry them to shore. Finding Edward's body was bittersweet, but it gave his family the closure they had been desperately needing for years. So not only, it, it's both touching and kind of frustrating as well, because First of all, I'm, I'm glad this family was able to get the rest of his remains. Hopefully, they get closure. But it should not have taken that many years. And, yeah, it took two hours for them to drain the pond. Okay, for every pond like that, you're going to have some sort of nearby creek or something where you can just run the pipes, put them in there, let the water run downstream. It's fine. It's not going to hurt anything. Um, there was no reason why that could not have gotten done, and, uh, and yeah, I'm glad it has a happy ending. But it is frustrating from a law enforcement point of view. It's frustrating because I know my agency would have drained that pond. My agency would have found him the moment we knew that's where he was. Okay, we would have had sonar technology out there. We would have we we you know we, recovering bodies from water is not a new thing to us. Um. But, yeah, it's just so frustrating. And, yeah, sure, I'm glad it has a happy ending. But, I mean, how embarrassing that must be to your local sheriff or to the local agency that was handling that investigation be like, yeah, we can't do it. I mean, this lady's been calling them for years. They probably had a nickname for her. They probably looked back and be like, oh, gosh, Connie's calling again. Oh, my goodness. Why can't she just let it rest? Well, I wouldn't let it rest either. If I knew my child was in pieces, yeah, we recovered some of their bones are sitting over here and others are still in the bottom of this pond. Yeah, I think I'd have a hard time letting it rest too. Especially when they're telling her, yeah, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. They shouldn't have stopped. Recovering only part of his body wasn't the job. It wasn't the full task. Get the whole job done. And again, it's not hard. They rented a sub pump and made it happen. Okay, they use these trash pumps for this kind of stuff. I've seen it done myself. You can use siphon technology. I've drained ponds myself for sy- with siphons. And yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but you can do it. If you understand the science of how to make it work, you can do it with siphon. I mean, yeah, I would be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed. If I was Miss Connie, I would have been going against that elected sheriff every single year. He made me promises he didn't keep. Yeah, that'd be frustrating. But hey, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad it worked out for her. It's a, it's, a, it's a good story. I think it's one of those stories that's just not being pushed around enough. But I'll tell you right now, man, that red and yellow tape for a police agency and, and all that stuff, and just all they have to do is go out and drain the pond. And I've come across this with, with other agencies and stuff, and, and sometimes even mine. But it looks like such a simple tasks Task. And for some reason, there has to be such an elaborate amount of paperwork and justification to make it happen, okay? Um, I saw one time there was a string of car burglaries that was happening. It was a popular park. People would all park there. They'd park along the street, and these were all just smash and grab. Somebody would just drive up. They'd see a purse or a backpack in somebody's car. Smash the window, grab it, cop in the car, take off. Boom, the whole thing would happen in under 10, 20 seconds, Okay. It was in a rural area, so there wasn't it cameras or anything out there. It was just it would just happen. People would go hiking in this park. They'd come back, and boom, their car was smashed and their purse was gone or whatever. So I was done taking these reports, and I was like, look, I'm done with this crap. Let's get a party out here. Okay, let's get an unmarked vehicle. Let's get some, some plainclothes guys out here just to park up on the hill, watch, and have a marked vehicle parked down the street. So when we see this happens, we can get eyes on them, film the encounter, film the people doing it, get them pulled over, get them arrested. Okay, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, My boss said, "Yep, sure, that's a great idea. Cool, let's do it. Okay, cool. You have to do a staffing plan. What do you mean? Well, it's going to be you and one other guy, and then we have to hire backfill. Let me hire backfill. We have to pay two guys to come in and pay them overtime. Well, Okay, okay, so that means you have to develop a full staffing plan, write it all out, a full operational plan. Uh, take it to the, the captain. You know, have him sign off on it. You have to call payroll and figure out what it costs to pay two guys overtime. You know, yeah, ha- I had to do all this stuff, and I was like, "Well, crap!" And so I'm typing it all up, doing all this. It takes several days. Time's getting wasted, In the meantime, more people are getting their stuff smashed and grabbed. It's like it's like, come on, can we just can we just go do it? Can I just go grab an unmarked car? I'll keep my uniform. I don't have to be plain clothes. Can I just grab an unmarked car and go out there and have my partner go out there? We can't just have a couple other people handling calls and stuff while we do that. Nope. Full staffing plan. Absolutely insane. Luckily, I actually had a good ending because I didn't have to do it. There was um, some officers on a different assignment that had much more, um, how do you say it, Uh, discretion and liberty to do that kind of stuff than I did at the time. And so they were like, ah, now we're just going to do this. And they already had unmarked cars for their own unit, so they handled it. And yes, there was an arrest made out of it. But yeah, I was just so frustrated. I was like, and granted, I was just assigned to patrol. So I was like, well, maybe I guess, I don't know. But yeah, it was just, I see it a lot. And when I'm looking at the story here in Missouri, I'm like, okay, look, I understand where this lady's calling and says, hey, drain the rest of the pond. And somebody else was like, well, we have to do a full staffing plan. We have to do this. We have to hire overtime. We have to get the sub pump. We have to throw it in there. Someone has to pay for it. Who, you know, what department credit card are we using for this? Blah blah. blah. I get it's an operation, but it's an operation that was worth doing not something that should have waited seven years okay but i've seen that too where sometimes people just take things in their own hands they just take matters in their own hands and it gets done and i don't blame them hey folks i realized the gold commercial for this was getting well old so I decided it was time to re record it. Grandma's Pantry Pocatello.com. That's grandma's pantry, Pocatello.com. One of our oldest sponsors. It's Brian and Kim, my good friends, uh, for all your custom jams and jellies. I have a case of them in my pantry right now. Very unique flavors. If you have guests coming and you want to just wow them with something different than your typical strawberry and grape, grandma's pantry, Pocatello.com for your custom jam and jelly needs. This is, this is be, no, no, has to be a deep voice. It needs to be much deeper. All right, and I'm back. You know, if you listen to the show for a long time, there's there's an ongoing thing I've been kind of a theme that i brought up several times, and it's um if you see something, say something. Right, if you see something, say something. Right? If you're if you're looking at, you got new neighbors renting the house next door and you see them moving a bunch of fertilizer and diesel into their in the garage, you should probably say something. Right? If you see uh your uh your kid's friend posting on social media about wanting to shoot up the school, say something. If you see them posting a lot of ammunition and magazines and stuff, guns and stuff on their social media feed and it's clear that they're not out trying to go hunting or trying to do any type of activity involving those things, you may want to say something, right? And I'm not a big fan of whistleblower or red flag laws or anything like that. I'm just saying that some things are worth saying, right? For every rule, there's an exception. Um, So I want to tell you guys a story from Hawaii when a young lady and some heroes, um, their paths kind of crossed. And it was uh, more or less fate, but it all kind of comes down to that same thing. If you see something, say something. Um. <clears throat> A teenage girl from Hawaii is now home safe thanks to the help of some good Samaritans she encountered at a restaurant on the other side of the island. According to reports, Duncan Kealoha Mahi, 52, kidnapped Michaela DeBina, 15, last Friday while she was enjoying a day at the beach with her boyfriend. At approximately 1.30 p.m. local time, Mahi reportedly approached the couple at, I'm not going to say the name of that beach, (laughs) on the main island of Hawaii. Mahi then, allegedly forced Dabina at knife point to tie up and blindfold her boyfriend so that he could abduct her without the boyfriend's interference. After the two disappeared, law enforcement groups immediately began a manhunt to find Mahi and Dabina. In fact, the state issued its first ever Amber Alert to help find the missing teen. It proved to be instrumental in bringing her home nearly 24 hours later. Folks at Hilo's Cafe, Pesto, nearly 70 miles from the beach <laughs> again. I'm not gonna say that name. Were able to rescue the girl and reunite her with her family when they recognized her from the Amber Alert. A host at the cafe, Bridge Hartman, said said he noticed that the, something was off about the young girl and the older gentleman. Older gentleman. The dress Dabina, Dabina had been wearing at the beach was discovered abandoned with her cell phone near lacona Airport, and she was now wearing ill-fitting men's clothing. She was also having a heated discussion with her companion. Hartman claimed. Even if it wasn't her, my brain was like, I need to get her. Then I realized it was her, he recalled, and I yelled out, That's the girl! That's the girl from the Amber Alert! Hartman then managed to free Damina from Mahi's clutches and steer her towards the rear of the restaurant for safety. Another woman at the restaurant helped her call her mother. Her mother, um, Cherie Cher, is what she goes by, called the, <clears throat> called the helpful restaurant employees and patrons heroes who had ripped Michaela from her abductor. So here's a thing. Here's a couple things that I'm going to point out. One, this is a worst case scenario, right? This is a worst case. When you tell your kids not to talk to strangers and nothing like that, this is what you're afraid of. You're afraid of them getting kidnapped. And there's literally an infinite number of reasons why somebody may kidnap another person, okay? Issue number one, she was held at knife point by a middle-aged man and forced to tie up and blindfold her boyfriend at a beach. Now, I don't know exactly where they were, if they're more in a secluded area. I don't know if there's a cave or something nearby. I don't know if they were um, making out under a pier or something. But first of all, if your kid's getting abducted, have this conversation with them. If you're being abducted, um, make a scene. Scream, yell, throw things. Make a scene. He held them at gunpoint, and she tied up her boyfriend other thing um obviously she tied him up too well right like i'm pretty sure i'd be giving him some pretty loose um and stuff like that and it'd be a pretty loose blindfold okay like enough for 30 seconds later he could be right on our tail kind of stuff um but yeah make a scene okay and then of course it comes back to this if you see something say something right in the restaurant right a lot of people when they see conflict when they see something that's inappropriate or when you see people don't like to get involved Right, it's like, oh, no, that's just their thing. That's just their, you know, just don't get involved. Don't make a scene. You know, they're, they're, they're upset. They're arguing. No. Get involved. Say something. Hey, man, you don't need to talk to her that way. Hey, man, knock it off. Folks, is there something I can help you mediate? Right? Like, like it, it's, you know what I'm saying? When people are drawing attention to themselves in a negative way, sometimes the best thing you can do is point it out. Put them on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 let it happen. Okay. And then of course the patrons did exactly what they should have done. They got involved, uh, got her away, got you know, called her mom and all that stuff. I don't you know, the guy I think is now serving time in jail. Um and here's the thing, here's the other thing he did. He he left her dress and um her cell phone by the Kona Airport. That's interesting. That's an interesting tactic because it indicates that maybe he got her onto a plane. It would have been very hard to get her onto a plane, obviously, if she's Going against her will, but the other thing is, here they are in a public restaurant. She didn't exactly have handcuffs on. You know what I'm saying? So, so talk to your kids about this kind of stuff. Run away, make a scene, say, "No, this man grabbed me. I don't know who this is. He kidnapped me in front of this beach. I'm the girl from the Amber Alert, or I'm the boy from the Amber Alert." You know what I'm saying? Like kids, they get scared, they get locked up, they don't know what to do, and they don't know what to do because we're not having those conversations with them. So have those conversations with them. Okay, I mean, I'm no expert in parenting, but I'll tell you right now, I can't, and I've can't. i said this before on this podcast. If you listen to me for a long time, you've heard this, and I'm sorry, bear with me. I was a school resource officer, and I would sit down and have these conversations with parents, and they would come to me, and they'd be like, oh, my kid knows better. My 13-year-old knows better. My 14-year-old, my 15-year-old knows better. And I couldn't help but think to myself, or sometimes I even say it out loud, I'm like, do they know better? Because if you're not having those specific conversations with them, If you're not spelling out in detail what your expectations of their behavior is, then they do not know better. Okay, I make it very clear at the beginning of every school year to sit down and have a family meeting and talk to my kids about, hey, this is what I expect your behavior to be in regards to your teachers. This is what I expect your grades to be outside of school. If I'm at work or whatever, this is what I expect your behavior to be. Okay, I expect you guys to be respectful. I expect you guys to stand up the bullies. I expect you guys to stand up the bullies who are bullying other people. Okay? I expect you not to drink. I expect you not to do drugs, and I do not want you having sex. Right? I have those conversations. And yes, it's sometimes uncomfortable. It's sometimes awkward for my kids. It would be awkward for me, but I don't really have any feelings anymore, so I don't care if it's awkward. Okay? I'm going to get my message out there. Okay? my teenage son has a little girlfriend. Seems like a nice little girl. Very nice. And I tell him all the time, that is not your future wife. That is somebody else's future wife. That's somebody else's little girl. And you need to make sure you're respectful to her and that you keep your hands to yourself. Those are my expectations. So when they make those mistakes, You know, when they do mess up and they experiment, like smoking something or drinking something or whatever it is, or staying out too late or whatever like that, at least I can sleep at night knowing that I communicated to them what was needed and they knew. So when the discipline gets handed down, they already know it's coming and they're not even mad about it. They own their stuff. I was just telling somebody the other day about that. I was like, you know what? When I have to discipline my kids, I never get get clapped back. They never fire back to me. And the reason why is because I tell them in advance, hey, if your grades are bad, this is going to be the consequence. You know, if I catch you doing drugs or drinking, guess who's not going to be playing football for the rest of the season? You know, guess who's not going to be on the cheer team? Guess who's not going to do this or that? Guess who's not going to have a phone for a long time? You know what I'm saying? Like, they know the consequence. So when it happens, they're like, yep, I knew it was coming. Here's my phone. Okay, I'll turn in my uniform. You know, I'm not saying I expect my kids to be perfect. I expect them to make mistakes. But I get a lot less conflict in my life and in my personal life when I give them a total heads up about what's coming if certain mistakes get made. And I get a lot less of them making mistakes because I have those open conversations with them about my expectations of their behavior. It works. It really does. So yeah, when you're looking at your kid and thinking, well, my kid knows better than to be disrespectful to a teacher. No, did you have that specific conversation with him? My kid knows better than to than, than steal. Really? Have you ever sat down and talked to him about stealing? And how that affects him. How that affects uh, the people you're stealing from. Right? Like if you're not having those specific conversations with people. You're messing up. You're falling short. Right? Do not be afraid to have those. What you may think to be an obvious conversation with somebody. And have it anyways. All right, I think I'm going to leave right there. There was a really gross story I was going to share with you guys. It was about a guy who. um, Well. Yeah, no, it was really gross. Basically, his his wife passes away in the middle of the night. All right, I'm just going to have to share it with you guys. Hold on, let me pull it up here for a second. Oh, it's so gross. Uh, it's hard to go from, like, a serious topic to, like, suddenly go to something like this. All right, where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? There are a bunch of other stories in here I wanted to share with you guys. All right, teenager blows up some people. I'll save that for next time. Man called paramedics to report his wife passed away during the night. When paramedics showed up, he was... Well, making love to his dead wife. Uh, not only this story, not only was it really gross, uh, I don't even want to go into the details of what they walked in on, but there's some, like, her. first of all, if you're going to call paramedics and say, hey, there's a medical emergency, you know they are only minutes down the road. <laughs> like, maybe it should occur to you that you don't have time for that. You know, I said that to a friend and they told a very, very inappropriate joke of, you know, uh necrophilia necrophilia is better than neverphilia. <laughs> oh, oh that made me feel gross just saying it out loud ugh, ugh, no gross disgusting uh yeah so his wife died and then he went to jail because that's just gross and very illegal all right i'm gonna leave it right there uh this is the serving the peace again uh dtp at usa.com if you have any questions comments concerns any topics you want me to cover any stories you want me to look at If you have any disagreement with me, feel free, DTP at USA.com. If you're right or if I think you have a valid point, I will read it on the air for you. And I will try and best represent your your opinion in that matter. If not, I will just make fun of you or or explain why I'm still right. (laughs) So write me at your own risk. Um, DTP at USA.com. And again, find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. Have a good night. Yay!